And the Academy Award for Best Actress goes to Meryl Streep. What, why did She's you, not even nominated this year, and they gave it to her anyway. That's not fair. I w- <sighs> <laughs> you know, have you seen some of the Oscars when they nominate her and she like gets called out and she just is like, she's like, they did it again. They nominated me for yet another award every year. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. But there, look, like I don't like the term. Actually, I don't mind the term "golden child" or like "golden boy," "golden girl." She's their golden child. Yeah. Her and Tom Hanks, I'd say. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd like agree if they're in that. anything, they're nominated. I'd agree with that. But welcome to Through the Lens, the All Things Movie Podcast. We talk about all things movies brought to you by WEGL. That is WEGL 91.1 FM. This week we are on the Best Actress category from this year's Oscars. We will be talking about Promising Young Woman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Pieces of a Woman, uh, I'm blanking in, oh, Nomadland, and finally uh, the United States versus Billie Holiday. We're going to talk about all five of those movies, talk about the performances from the actresses within them that were nominated for Best Actress and evaluate who we think should win Best Actress this year. But first and foremost, as always, we got some movie news and quite a bit of it. Quite a a bit of odd things, really, as stuff is starting to get planned out as movies are starting to come back, trailers being released, filming is occurring, and a lot going on. First and foremost, Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse of Madness, the filming wrapped this week. Uh, How do you feel about that movie, Davis? I'm kind of excited for it myself. It seems pretty cool. I'm pretty... I'm not... uh I've been kind of burned out on Marvel stuff recently, but it seems pretty cool. Really? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, didn't we? Burn, a little burned out, but honestly, I'm excited for Dark Strange. I really liked him in his movie and in Infinity War, so looking forward to that. I'll say it again. They're not movies. Stop. Okay, Martin Scorsese. All right. Think about it. Think about it, though. What defines a movie? It being long? No. So what defines it a movie? Having a, um, well, uh, first and foremost, it has to be on film. So that's that's first. Well, most movies aren't on film anymore. No, I mean like like like, you know what I mean. Like, like, you know what I mean. No, I don't. Like it has to. Okay, it ha- I, I, you can re- you can movie. rescind that comment if you'd like. I'll rescind that. Sorry, I meant I meant I meant more in the sense of the visual medium. It has to. You know, it's a movie is a production that tells one cohesive story from beginning to end, and. Well, what t- do you think defines it? You're also just describing a TV show. Each episode of a TV show is a cohesive story that tells the story. Beginning In that case, then it okay. I don't, well, what do you think defines it then? I I don't think there's like I don't think there's one set thing, but I don't think like I'd say really any movie series like Marvel has. I'd also say DC's teetering on it as well. Hmm. I'm not trying to sound pretentious or anything. Like I don't mind that they're that they're long. They're they're entertaining. I'm, I go to watch them too. But, like, it has a cliffhanger. It sets it up for the next movie. They come out so quick. It's basically just, like, a, a really expensive, long TV show. It is like a limited series on HBO with an insane budget. And that's okay. I'm, I don't have an issue with that. I'm not going to be like, Martin Scorsese is like, you shouldn't watch these because they're not cinema. I'm not going to be a snob and say what's, what's cinema and what's not cinema to you. But, like, objectively, I think they're more, you could you'd describe them more as a TV show. Perhaps, perhaps. But once again, I have no issue with the the Marvel movies. That's fair, and I'm still excited for Mar. Uh, but I think Doctor actually, I do have some issues with them. Oh, here he goes. I think they're just like, I don't know. I think I'm saying they're watering down some of the source material. I think, yeah, I agree. I think like, like some. I was watching a TikTok earlier. You got to get TikTok, Alex. It was talking I, about. I don't have to get it. You, it was talking about once you get it, you'll be addicted. I know. It's why I don't have to get it. So. It was talking about the Civil War in the comics versus the Civil War in the movies. Yeah. It was just a very big difference there. Civil War in the comics is like they don't want to give out their identity because most of them are mutants. 
and it's like everybody's basically just racist to the mutants in the story. So if they give out their their identity, then they're completely exposed. But in the movies, like we just want to blow up more buildings. Yeah, no, that's that's, it. that's good. Honestly, I'm telling you, man, I think doing s- some Marvel episodes breaking the by phase would be interesting. I think there's some, inter- there's some interesting opinions on this. I think some earlier movies look a bit better in certain contexts than they did initially, but it's interesting discussion. But and that in in line with the other Marvel news for the week, or there's two more things. Uh, one, so uh, Russell Crowe is on the new Thor: Love and Thunder uh, production, and rumors are circulating that they're will be a Gladiator sequel with Chris Hemsworth playing Maximus's son. So, look, look, here's the thing that I was going to basically say. Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean No, 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 no. Like, I just thought of this. Okay. Because I, I couldn't get it out. I couldn't figure right. it out earlier. But I'd say one of my other issues with Marvel is that, I mean, sequels have been prevalent for a long time. But with how frequent they get the sequels and how many people still go, still go see them, I think that might have fueled kind of like, we need to start rebooting. We need to start to have a Gladiator 2. We need to we need to make a Terminator Seven after ten years of a hiatus. Yeah, that that's definitely an issue. I'm not gonna blame it all on Marvel, but like I, I feel like that might be a Marvel has changed things. They've changed things. You know, it's it. I mean, because like a long story over a lot of movies has become a lot more popular because of that. I agree, it has because I think I think when when the payoff is there, it's like I loved Infinity War. I still do, and I think that movie being you know finally the payoff of all of it really it felt worth it even the movies that i didn't like that much it still felt worth it and i think that is part of it to where marvel's really changed things in that regard and i think you know people are seeing that seeing how much money it makes and the the days of solo movies are not so much a thing anymore because people don't want to go in not knowing anything you know now you're dealing with like I would not be surprised if, if uh, the Shang-Chi movie, which, by the way, same director of Nomadland, actually. I'll talk about that when we get to the, mo- the movie a bit later. But Shang-Chi and The Eternals, both very unknown movies. In terms of the comics, they're well-known enough within big Marvel groups, but not so much MCU. I think those movies could both have significant financial trouble. I don't know if they will because the Marvel machine doesn't lose, but or hasn't lost yet, really. But I, I do wonder how that will affect it because, again... What's the tie-in, right? What adds the what does that add to the MCU? That's what these movies are about now. You know, that's what Ant-Man's been about for a while. It's not so much I don't think the Ant-Man movies can stand on their own two feet. I think they stand on being within a universe, you know? Like if the Ant-Man movies were released by themselves in 2002, like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, Spider-Man movies, I don't think they'd succeed nearly as well as they are now, personally, but that's Well, look, here's a mentioning Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man Maguire. Uh I would I think those are all one and two are better than anything that Marvel's made. I disagree. I'd say two is at least. I disagree. You, what's, I, I, what's better than Spider-Man I, I 2? Really Spider-Man 2 is the best comic, punk, comic movie ever made. And I will stand by that. That movie's amazing. Davis, do you mean the best Marvel comic book movie ever made? Because there's a certain 2008 I know what I'm talking about. production yeah, in I, 2008. I know what I'm saying. Look, I know wow. I'm, I'm biased because I've always loved Spider-Man. Or, yeah, I've always loved Spider-Man way more than Batman. We will definitely have to have some Marvel episodes. I, I next think the Dark Knight's great. Probably my number two, but I think Spider-Man Two is just fantastic. Um, I I'll, believe... I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll say Marvel because I haven't seen Dark Knight in a while. I saw okay, Spider-Man that's, Two recently. That's, that's I'll just fair. say it is the best Marvel-based comic. Book I disagree. It's up there for me. It is without a doubt. It's in my top ten so without good. question. The ones I would put above it, specifically within the MCU, I would put Infinity War above it. I really, really like that movie. Bad take. It's a good movie. It's not as good as Spider-Man Two. You can't. I think. Well, wait. Would you say a movie? No, that wouldn't. I was going to say more thematic. Thematic? What do you mean? Has themes. 
Oh, oh which like TV shows can also have themes. More thematic? Is that I think saying? yes, it is a lot more thematic. I think I think just things. I just think that uh, has more lasting War, impact to me. What Infinity War? You know, Infinity War. It, that scene where he where he stops the train and then even though it looks where he's like he's no older than my son, even though he's like forty. <laughs> Or thirty. Father Tom McGuire's in his mid thirties. He's got a wife and kids, but apparently he's no older than that man's Great fourteen movies. year old son. Love those movies. I love that. No, no. Look, Davis, Davis, you're speaking to a guy that does a Spider Man marathon once a summer minimum. I get the whole family to sit down. Me and Jackson are like, "Hey, mom, sit down and watch these movies again." I'm talking like I- I'm a big sport. I just for me, Infinity War's highest moments are so very high for me that they're better than that. I also think Winter Soldier is better than it, personally. However, Winter Soldier's pretty good. However, there are certain issues, you know. Certain issues that I have with MCU movies are, for one, uh, the issue with the connected universe is why doesn't anybody get involved, right? Like, Winter Soldier, the helicarriers are going to blow up half the planet. Where's the rest of the Avengers, right? Or, you know, Thor, the Dark World, uh, what's his name? Malakath is going to lay waste to the world with the Reality Stone, Where's or the Ether. Where's the Avengers then, right? I think they run into that issue, and I think that's a flaw of that movie significantly. But those two I put above it, and I put The Dark Knight above it. You know, I'd have to really go down the list, but Spider-Man 2 is definitely up there. It's probably my top five. Also, Davis, mm-hmm. Logan is better. Mm, Logan is pretty good. I, 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 Logan I'm, is, I'm a little Logan's, shocked. Logan's better than any of the MCU movies, but I think Absolutely. Logan and Spider-Man 2 are up there for me. Absolutely. I, 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 again, again. Like this is this is not one. I've of seen bad Spider-Man ones two probably fifty times in my life. I've seen Logan one. Wow, Spider- I've watched that as a kid nonstop. I had Spider-Man toys. Fifty? <laughs> I'd probably say like as a kid, you know, just watch movies on repeat as a kid. That's true. That's true. I mean, I, like, I, 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 I probably watched Pi- I probably watched Pirates of the Caribbean a hundred. <laughs> I've probably seen like Pirates I still remember Caribbean stuff about that. Just like when I'm yeah, watching, it just comes say, to like, me. Absolutely, absolutely. But anyway, I think definitely we should just. I think some. Comic book themed episode next semester could be an interesting concept. All right, back to the news. Anyway, yeah, back to the news. Speaking of it, uh, so yeah, Gladiator two sequel. I think that's horrible. Mm. Maximus's son, like, oh, like, but his son is dead. If we're talking about his like, like his um son with like somebody in a different city, you know, because he was at war and whatever, maybe. But still, no. Leave it alone. Maximus was perfect as it was. I know I got friends like Hayden loves that movie, and he he would agree with me in this case. Additionally, speaking of Spider-Man 2, Alfred Molina confirms he is in Spider-Man No Way Home and that he says John Watts told him the story will pick up right where Molina's character left off in Spider-Man 2. Dead. Which, what, what does that mean? The implication of that is... Wait, the, uh, the only way that can be is that he goes into the multiverse. Or he somehow gets... The sun him. sucks him in, I'm telling you. Unless it creates like a black hole or something, but I don't see how that I'm can happen. I'm telling you, the sun sends him into the multiverse. If MCU I'm has any, you. as MCU has any respect for science, which it does not, never mind. Actually, it doesn't. But no, okay, but but like but, how? How is it coming? If you, it, someone's underwater. No, but, but like, but okay, 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 okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you said how, but the question is like, my question to you is why not? No, I mean, I mean like, I mean like, they I'm, created a sun out of some sort of metal. Look, here's the thing. Here's In the, the thing. movie. That kind of made sense, so they explained it. Well, yeah, I'm sure they'll explain this. Well, look, 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 look. I have no issue with him going to the multiverse, but I just feel like I feel like they'd have to do a lot of gymnastics for it to be. I oh, think, the sun actually imploded while he was underwater, even though you saw it kind of start to go out. Yep, he's in the multiverse now. I, I think that's entirely within reason. Honestly. Or, or like, is Doctor Strange before that? Uh, you, uh, bef- you mean multiverse Doctor, of madness before yeah. that? I don't believe so. Actually, I think Spider-Man: No Way Home is first. They're pumping out these Spider-Man movies, golly. Yeah, I don't really know why, honestly, but excuse me. Um, 
Well, like they can have it like portal start opening because whatever they do, and then it just opens in that universe somehow. I don't know. It's probably going to be the sun thing. I just feel like they'd have to do a little more gymnastics. But I guess that's yeah, the only so really way they could. Spider-Man comes out December 17th, 2021, which then Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness will be coming out March 25th, 2022. So a little bit of a gap there. I feel like I feel like whatever. a little black hole sucking him into the multiverse. Plus, they're using de-aging text. The idea is that he's going to get transported right there. I don't think they're going to do a flashback. And if they do, that'd be awesome. But honestly... I'm just excited because my favorite scene maybe in the history maybe of comic- they Maybe they can fix it so he doesn't look so rubbery underwater at the end. That was that was tough. That was a tough scene. 2004. So. It, oh it was God. old. But honestly, my favorite scene of that movie, and it, not, a lot of people say the train scene. No, my favorite scene is when they're trying to operate on Doc in the, uh, in the hospital. Singing. It's so cool. My mom will deliberately come out of her room to watch that scene, freak out, and then leave again. Such a good scene. It's so good. Anyway. That's I'm why Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi's, that's why I'm hyped for him to do Doctor Strange too. He has, also, he, he's very good at with horror the elements. There are rumors that Spider-Man, the actual sequel to Spider-Man 3, could make a return with Sam Raimi at the helm, depending on how Look, Spider-Man No Way Home works and how Multiverse of Madness works. Oh, I know this, I was, I know. Up to the mic. I know I was saying earlier that I'm not big on sequels. And I'm probably, I'm probably, uh, 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 what is it called? Capping? Was it? Uh, uh, uh. Keep me up here. Keep me up here. I want people to know. I want them to feel me in their ears. Look. <laughs> Look. If they make Spider-Man four with the original plan that they were going to back in the early two thousands, I'm all for sequels. Then I'll watch that movie there like four That's times. Contradicting yourself, Davis. I just, I just, st- I, 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 I pre, I had a prerequisite there. I said, I know, I just said, I but know, I know, I know. You're good. You're good. You're good. Back away from the mic now. <laughs> yeah, and he's back to normal volume. Let's go. Um, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I'd be down. I'd be down. But additionally, in other news, Fast and the Furious 9 trailer was released. They're going to space. And I'm going to tell you this. My dad's excited for the movie. It's a dumb action movie. My uh, roommate Sutton, big car fan, big Fast and Furious fan. Not so much these recent movies, but I cannot tell you how much I detested this trailer. I'm going to say some too. Tell you some too. Go I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie. What? I just haven't. But but one last ride for family, Davis. You don't know what that means, bro. No, I don't. I remember. I remember when that song came out. Oh my! I might have seen marathon I'm, next semester. Calm Let's down. Go. No. Let's I might have seen Tokyo Drift one time because I can remember like maybe some scenes from that. Maybe I just saw it like walking in my I room. I cannot believe that. I'm just That's not that crazy. big on action movies. No, I get it. I get it. But like everybody's seen like one of them. But like Fast and Furious was the first. TV is movies. Like it's just I, actually it's, nah. It's not so much an extension. No, no, it's just it's just big dumb set pieces. I was about to say because it, it like it has it's not like it has it has cool scenes, Tokyo but it's Drift just is the only one that goes off the reserve with the without like that's the only one without Vin. It's Diesel. just crazy set pieces with like thin story in between. Yeah, no, I, that, I agree. I especially lately, I think I think it, it peaked in my opinion was Fast and Furious Five. That's my favorite personally, but teach their own on that one. But yeah, they go to space and um. The movie, the the trailer is basically Vin Diesel just saying, "Hey, family," and then John Cena is Vin Diesel's brother. Which, by the way, Vin Diesel says that he said apparently, this is according according to rumors, he said that um he was in his Dom shrine, as in his character Dom Toretto, and Paul Walker spoke to him and told him to cast John Cena in the next movie. <laughs> Davis, you okay? Davis is crying over here, everybody. Look, I don't want to hate on the man for, for anything. I'm just like, I, like that I, is that is hilarious <laughs> to me. 
I, you, ever, like, you, ever, you ever seen that video where the girl was like, no, actually, never mind. Never mind. No, no disrespect to him and his connection to uh, Paul Walker. I know they were great friends. I know, of course, Paul Walker was tragically yes, yeah, yeah. I don't want to tragically be ended, but this just it, I like it seems a bit bizarre. It's in, just in, it's just such a random thing. I was not expecting. Yeah, that. in my opinion, it seems a bit bizarre. But you know, again, to each their own. I just think it I just was, feel like if Paul Walker's going to talk to you from beyond the grave, why is he going to tell you to cast John Cena? <laughs> Stop it now, Davis. <laughs> I'm no, I mean like no disrespect to Paul Rock. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm treading I, on some thin ice here. I, I was don't want to say we're, we're on a little. I don't want to fall ice. through. I was say don't definitely don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not excited for this movie. Like so, yeah. Uh, other than the Fast and the Furious trailer, Davis, there was a big trailer that uh came out uh for Army of the Dead, directed by Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder says it's with Netflix. There's no Snyder cut of the film. It's just Army of the Dead. You saw part of the trailer. What are you thinking? It just looks like a zombie movie to me, but I but heard the zombies sentient. are sentient, bro. Warm bodies, they were sentient. But yeah, that's different. Is it though? One was a love story. What if it's just a different area of this world? Yeah, but it's not a different. Area I think of this world. I think zombie movies have come and gone. I think really? I think they've kind of ran ran their course. Really? I think uh, the occasional zombie game, if it's done right, because there's there's so many zombie games or zombie movies. It's just like we're gonna kill the zombies. We're trapped in here. There's zombies surrounding us. I hope they don't eat us. And like, there's there's great movies in that. Shaun of the Dead, uh, the one John the, is that the one where they're in the mall, Dawn of the Dead. Yes. World War Z. I know you like it. I'm not the biggest fan, but it has its moments. Like they they've I think they've kind of really done all they really can for it. Zombie that's stuff. That's fair. That's and there's fair. like Days Gone, which came out like two years ago, was a great zombie game. They're like Feral. They're really fast. You ride on a motorcycle. Last of Us, one of the best stories I've ever played. Last of Us Two, also very great. Don't let haters tell you otherwise. It's a good game. All right, all right, all right. I think the the genre was oversaturated I, for yeah. a time. I think maybe it, if it it could fall back. I feel like I feel like that's no like comic book movies were kind of oversaturated in the '90s for a bit, and I just feel like I mean like I guess there can be a resurgence of zombie movies, but I feel like now's not the time. Perhaps not. Perhaps not. I'll agree with like, that. Like you remember how like there was pirate movies and then they didn't happen for a long time and then Pirates of the Caribbean came out. Yeah, but sadly not before Treasure Planet or Treasure Planet failed. Rest of Treasure Planet, of course. And lastly, Davis, David Ayer has released a section of the script from his Suicide Squad movie. I'm going to read out part of it. Okay. All right. Wait, let me read the other line. Wait, let me pull it up. So it's uh, it's on the account DC Olympus. But which, what other line? There's like five characters. Yeah, I'll read I'll read four of them. You do one. What? I can, I can do a few voices. You I'll take... say, all right, this is from Boomer. I don't recall the name of this character. Bloody heck, I found Waller. That's supposed to be like a British accent. I don't remember who Boomer is. Oh, know. wait. Is it Boomerang? Bloody hell, I found Waller. That's more Scottish. That was not any good. But anyway, now they all see her. Waller is levitating upside down behind the Enchantress, unconscious and oddly glowing. Her head is wired up with black inky tendrils from Enchantress Aura. That stops the squad dead in their tracks. Then the arming lights on their necks begin to flash red. What the heck? Joker steps out, holding Waller's detonator in his hand. Joker, one more step. No, do his voice. If no. you're gonna read the script, you gotta. No, one more step that's, and you die. That's not what he sounded like either. That's not what he sounded like. Anyway, one more step and one more step, you die because snitches get stitches. Switching sides with the law, it's supposed to be us versus them, not us versus us. Harley beams with joy. Put <laughs> flag. He's not real. Joker, I'm the most real thing here. I'm the walking, talking truth. Or maybe I'm not. And if I'm not, then this won't blow his head off. Joker's thumb hovers above Deadshot's face on the screen. Deadshot the flag. He's he's real. Dude's real, okay? 
to Joker. Joker, you know I never had no beef with you. Enchantress, bring me the sword. I want the sword. Joker, Harley, dear, please give the woman the sword. So yeah, Joker sounds was gonna, terrible. Joker was, gonna, but that just does not sound good. Those lines like, are so corny. I feel like it would execute better in the film than me again. Me reading it off because snitches get stitches. Switching sides with the law. It's supposed to be us versus them, not us. That sounds so clunky and corny. Perhaps a bit. Perhaps a bit. Perhaps a bit. It does. I'm just glad that the Joker's in the final cut and just doesn't randomly disappear in the movie, which is what happens in Suicide Squad. His plane gets shot down. He just disappears. There's no resolution. I don't think there is. needs to be an air cut. We need to get on. We, we're already like 30 minutes in. 22 minutes in. Oh, whatever. I just say there needs to be no air, air cut. And speaking of Alfred Molina... Are we gonna, I, I don't say we're gonna start with that one. I say we. I say we. we well, go speaking of Alfred Molina, he's in one of these movies. I that's say we true. get into. I, that's true. We're gonna get to the Oscar-nominated films for best actress. We're gonna start with Billy, the U.S. versus Billy Holiday, then Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, then I say we go uh, Nomadland, Pieces of Woman, and then Promising Young Woman. What do you think? That's about the that? order I had. Cool. Let's go then. All right. So, the first is Andrew Day as Billy Holiday in the U.S. versus Billy this Holiday. This movie's not up for Best Picture, so it we're also going to yeah, talk about the movie not itself. A, this movie is up for Just Best Actress. Uh, there are a few, the other two on this list. Uh, Piece of Woman is also up for Just Best Actress as well. So we'll talk more in depth on those. We'll save the others for Best Picture because Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, and uh, are, are both up for Best Picture. And Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is not. We talked a lot about that last week as well. But anyway, well, you know, for Best Picture. You only have two more movies to watch. I know. I've seen them all. I, I, I'm going to get there, though. Don't worry. Next week's cool week. I think you'll like the, the next two. I think I will, too. I think I'll have their moments. We'll see what happens, though. But anyway, on to U.S. vs. Billie Holiday. This is uh, named for uh, the court case that Billie Holiday had when she was first arrested called the U.S. vs. Billie Holiday. In her memoir, she said it felt like that. This is the story that follows Billie Holiday's struggle with addiction and fame as Henry Anslinger of the U.S. Treasury Department's Federal Bureau of Narcotics tries to arrest her and prevent her from singing the song Strange Fruit. Strange Fruit is the song that was about the uh, lynching that was happening all across America at that time. Studies say and numbers say that it was at its worst in the early 1900s and 1910s. There was a law in 1937 that was going to ma make it illegal. It did not pass, and Holiday sang Strange Fruit in response. A lot of the government believed that it was a song inciting violence, inciting riots, and inciting protests, and therefore wanted to take her down in other ways, as in getting her for her drug problem, because Holiday, throughout the film, has a significant heroin issue that she does not overcome as the movie goes on, to be honest. And this is her entire journey from a certain point of singing Strange Fruit to her getting arrested to then, you know, to, until her uh, early death as she died of cirrhosis, from, which is basically just death of the liver, essentially, uh, from a lot of damage done to it from her days as a singer and her days of drugs and alcohol. But on to... Um, <clears throat> that's, not, that's not a correct... I just... I was just <laughs> I was clicking a thing on the thing and it changed uh, yeah, treasury yeah. to the treasury. Yeah, it, no, it does that. If there's a period, apparently. I don't know. Um, but so this movie, Andrew Day gives a brilliant performance, in my opinion, as Billie Holiday. The one scene that I showed you earlier, Davis, it's a tough scene where she witnesses a lynching and it's a very heart wrenching scene, but it's her best performance yes. in the whole movie. It's the best scene she has. Right up there with uh, a couple of the scenes where she's singing, where just the expression on her face changes, and a couple other scenes throughout the film. She's great. However, I'm going to be honest. I don't like this movie. Well, look, I think this movie had had a lot of potential to touch on. I think a, it did to touch on a topic lynching, which is not talked about a lot of movies. True, from the perspective of someone that had a famous song about it. Billie Holiday is pretty famous overall. I feel like most people know a True. lot of people know her at least. True. I'm not sure. We're not gonna say most. She she actually um, I was reading up so her 
her, her fame kind of dwindled down when she uh, towards the end of her life, and then she basically was reinvigorated back in the '60s and became repopularized. And Strange Fruit was like put in the Grammy Hall of Fame somewhere in like the '80s. It's a good so song. She really had sort of a resurgence after the fact and became even more famous than she was already. So yeah, but anyway. But yeah, I think I just I think it, it it had a good idea, a good broad idea to tell a story of someone while also touching on a tough topic that's not touched on a lot in movies. Yeah, I said touch like four times there, but I think they just did not stick to landing at all. Yeah, I agree. I, I didn't even finish the movie because I just it was boring to me. Yeah, it was slow. The pacing was bad. It was a disjointed. It mess. would just jump around. Yep. Like there was one scene where he was where she was talking to Jimmy Fletcher, Travante Rhodes' character. And then it just cut to like the U.S. Department. Like I just felt like it. It was a bad place to cut. Yeah, I don't it was. Know. Th- I agree. There was a lot of jumping around, and I think you know. I think if you're going to tell the te- excuse me, tell the story of drug addiction, you've got to make the story. Now I get it. Dr- drug addiction is a chaotic thing, and it is often you know in this sort of mess of constantly relapsing and you know getting clean just to relapse, and you see that. But the movie does to the point where you can't tell if Billie Holiday got clean or not. Well, yeah, she, there's like she goes to jail, gets out, and says she's fine. Then a week, a week later, she says, "Oh yeah, but of course I've been high, I've been high the whole time." Then she says she's clean. Then she go, relapses again, but you don't see it. You just hear her like sort of off comment saying, "Like this seems like an integral part of the story to where I would like to be able to understand what's going on." But it's so disjointed, you don't know what's happening. Well, the thing is with drug addiction in movies, it's it's a hard thing to show the relapse within the character because unless you have the character thinking like them, like literally yeah. just saying what they're thinking, it's hard to do. But if you've ever seen the movie Beautiful Boy, starring Steve Carell, yeah, Tim, yeah, yeah. Tim I've heard Chalamet, about that. I've seen it though. Um, amazing movie that shows drug addiction and drug relapse. Like that's how I know that it can be done in movies. Yeah. Like if if I see drugs depicted in movies and it's like trying to show relapse, I'll just be like, well, look how Beautiful Boy did that's it. Fair, that's Watch fair. Watch it if you can. That's it's a very it's a very on uh, Amazon I believe sad movie. Yes, it's a very sad movie, but is great. They both give great performances. But yeah, I think, you know, Andrew Day is amazing in this movie, but I think she's hurt by the fact the movie's just not very good. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think that definitely hurts uh, the performance because it's difficult, you know, if, if The Father was not a good movie but Anthony Hopkins knocked it out of the park, we probably would be talking about that a little differently last week. But, you know, we talked about it because it's such a great movie last week and it made it a lot easier to evaluate. And, you know, uh, my friend Anna, who listened to the show, she talked about if she now wants to watch that movie just because of how we sold it at the end because of what we talked about because it really is incredible. And I think this movie is hurt by the fact that it's not very good. I just think it's a disjointed mess that doesn't, it, it almost doesn't know what part it wants to play because, like, it almost, it, you know what it, it feels like to me is it tries to emphasize that Holiday has a very tough life because, like, they, they say that a couple times. They talk about how if you deal with all the pain and whatnot, you'd be on heroin too is, like, a, a line that they say or some variant of that. But I feel like in the movie it's a lot more of them telling us than them actually showing us. The one scene when she witnesses the lynching is gut-wrenching. It is. I mean, you're heartbroken for the child screaming, for Billy just to witness it in reality. And I think that's perfect, but there isn't enough of that. There's a lot of her and Rosalind and everybody just saying that she's in pain. But there's not a lot of she is. And I think you need to have a lot more show than tell. And this is very much a, we're not going to show you anything, we're just going to tell you exactly what's happening. And I think that really hurts it because it almost loosens the believability on it. You're like, all right, like... What what am I knowing other than the fact that these got like you know they're bad and they're going after her and she's had a rough life? That's all that we really know about it, and I think that really hurts the movie. She gives a great performance though. Also, she won the Golden Globe against these other four nominees, by the way. Interesting. So we don't think she should win. We can talk about that maybe at the very end of the episode, but 
Still I, a good performance. I, you know, I wrote it down. Great performance. Just she's going up against some titans this year because she's going up against a few of the best actors of our generation right now and two very up-and-coming actresses as well. So let's get into those as well. We got Marini's Black Bottom next, which stars Viola Davis. And, Davis, you talked about um, Chadwick Boseman last week. And do you think maybe he outshined her in a sense? I think she did. I think he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he definitely outshined her. Like, I th- when I was watching the movie, I thought she did well. Like, I was like, wow, she's really – she she played uh, the character well. She had, like, uh, a threatening aura. Like, that was, like, the point because she was, like, really getting on to the uh, the uh, the producers because for whatever reason. And she was standing up for herself. But also you could tell she was, like – she had a tenderness underneath her, and she did care about people. I think I think Viola's played her very well. Uh, but overall, I think Chadwick Boseman was the star of that show. Like, if – if I went back to watch that movie, I'd like. I'm not gonna say I'd go just to watch Chadwick because she did great, but like I feel overall it's Chadwick's movie. Yeah, I I agree with that myself. I think, I think in that thing I, that hurts Viola Davis. I think she's great in every movie she's been in. And she's great in this as well. And again, another great performance. I think you know she really goes into this character when I because you know with these big time actresses and actors, right? You know sometimes they kind of you know. Like Matthew McConaughey, I almost don't see him as the character. I see him as Matthew McConaughey sometimes. But Viola Davis, she has that sort of, uh, you know, presence about her. But, like, in this movie, she disappeared into the world where I was like, that's not Viola Davis. That's Ma Rainey. Like, that's who she is. And she played the Who was real. Well. Don't forget Ma Rainey. That's also true. Real. That's also true. I think she did really, really good in this movie. I think just, you know. T- I- honestly, uh, the movie was a bit, uh, a bit slow at times for me. I think it, it kind of jumped around a bit overall. But I think... The, the performances by Chadwick and Viola Davis are what stand out and what make this movie a movie you should watch just for those two performances. And I think Viola Davis, again, I mean, again, she's one of the best actresses of our generation right now. You know, she's been good in everything since The Help. She hasn't really stopped being in good movies and TV shows. So I, I got to give I gotta give props to her again. This is another one of her great performances, and maybe in another year she might win it. But I don't think she's, she's going to win it this year. But she's going up against... Three very, very good performances as well, which, honestly, we talked a lot about Viola Davis last week as well. I, I don't feel like there's much else to say. It's just a very oh, good performance. Yeah. Um, so now into uh, Nomadland with Frances McDormand as um, the main character. Fern. as That is Fern. And the, the essential idea is that this movie, more or less... There's only, like, really two or three. I'd say yeah. the family that she's with at the end... Dave's family, they're probably all actors, but other than that, it's mostly That's true, real which people. that's what I wanted. So it's, it essentially follows Fern as she leaves Empire, Nevada, actually, not oh, Colorado. I don't know why I thought it was Colorado. After the, uh, great, the Great Recession in 2008, and she's been displaced from her home because Empire, Nevada, a uh, little detail on this, ladies and gentlemen, um, was a town that was basically nothing but a, a mining company. And the mining company bought the town and then put up their workers in that town. When the company shut down, People had to leave because they couldn't live there anymore because Empire, the company Empire, owned the town Empire, Nevada. So the zip code even got rescinded, actually. And this is following a lot of nomads who were displaced by that and just went on the road and lived out of their vans, out of their RVs. And I got to say, this is one of the most immersive movies that I've seen in a long time. It felt like a documentary. It did, yeah. I thought Frances McDormand just felt like she was playing herself, just meeting people. So that's actually, that actually, um, is interesting detail I wanted to bring up because I once I watched the movie I really wanted to you know learn a bit about how it was made and how Frances McDormand played the part. So 
do you remember her her friend Linda May? So the the movie was actually going to be based on the book, which is about Linda May. And then Frances McDormand, uh, McDormand was cast, and they decided to just make the character based off Frances McDormand's own personality, which I thought was really kind of cool. And um, yeah, so that was one thing that happened. And then this movie was just it just it's just an immersive experience, and it partly is the role that she plays it so naturally. I think she really just, you know, you feel like she's just a nomad. Yeah, it doesn't Roman. feel like she's acting at all. It just feels like she's being herself, but she probably was because these are real. Most of these people are real people, from what I understand. That's true. And actually, that uh, so sh- you remember uh, Swanky? It was the lady who had uh, yes. cancer. So first of all, she was not an actress. A- neither yeah, was Bob Wells, and they actually had no idea that McDormand was a Hollywood star. And during her final monologue, where she talks about her husband Bo, she's talking to Bob, and Bob did not know. Um, that she was an actress during that scene. So after the scene cuts, Bob, Bob uh, Wells asks her about her husband, Bo, and she's like, oh, don't worry, I'm actually married to Jill Cohen. He's totally alive and fine. He was like, um, what? They thought she was an actual nomad. And Target actually sent her uh, a message trying to hire her uh, to work during filming because they, they thought oh. she was actually in need of work, which is just insane to me. Like, I don't, like, What? I like I can't really comprehend how that even like works, but yeah, that um was one thing, and also um yeah, so she got uh the and they also the experience was that Francis took the van for four to five months and just covering seven states, and uh she she thought that uh, being on the move to make the film felt better than just acting out the scenes. However, she eventually decided that being exhausted was a lot worse than just acting exhausted. She just act like she's exhausted rather than actually live out of her van and be exhausted. But, I mean, this is a great performance. She's really good. It's amazing to me because she's been an actress for a long time, but she's really, like, hitting her stride this late in her career with, you know, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri a few years ago where she won uh, Best Actress for that. Uh, I think that was three or, three or four years ago. That was 2018. Ah, yeah, so three years ago. I mean, Davis, what are your thoughts? Well, look, also, you just, or it's 2017, excuse me, but she was in Fargo. She was the detective. She was that's the true, yeah, that's, Fargo. True. that's that what I'm saying, way, way back then, but, like, I feel like, you know, she's really hitting her stride. She was in where, Raising Arizona. Yeah, I know, actually. Who was she? She was, uh, she was Dot. She was the uh, the wife of H.I.'s uh, boss. Oh, yeah. It's like, he's got to have his dip tap. What if he gets hit by a bus? And then it's like, what? She's been in a lot of great movies. Frances McDormand is probably one of the titans. Oh, I'm not going to say it. Yeah, yeah, one of the titans of I Hollywood, i She's I'd just say. really hitting her stride this year with, like, or this past few years where she's getting, you know, finally getting the Oscar recognition She's a great actress. But I think overall this is probably one of the most immersive movies I've seen. I don't, I don't want to go talk too much about the movie because it's also for Best Picture. That's true, it is for Best Picture. Like, it's one of the most immersive roles. Like, it, I, like, I remember watching, I was like, this just feels like genuinely her. Like, she just doesn't feel like she's acting. She's having a good time with these people. I knew that she was probably acting about some of the aspects of her character. But, like, I felt like she was just genuinely playing herself through the character. I, yeah, I agree. And I think it really was just, that's part of what makes it so good is because, you know, movies all about suspension and disbelief in some regard. And I think Sound of Metal does this in the sense that, you know, it feels real. But this movie, is this movie just felt different. Like Sound of Metal, you know, it immerses you in the deaf culture. And it, again, as I think I mentioned last week, you know, it made me think, oh man, like I thought for a second I actually couldn't hear anything. I was like, wait a minute, like, because it was just so much like that. But this movie takes it up to an 11 with this, and I think it's part of her just natural performance. She she doesn't feel like she's acting. She doesn't feel like she's doing anything. There's a lot of scenes where it's just her driving with music playing in the background, just staring off and looking. There aren't these big emotional scenes that she has, you know? 
Because that's what that's what a lot of actors and actors will do is you know they have these one scenes that stand out. Like you remember Davis at the um, award shows that you know they'll show like the highlight reel, right? You know they'll like the Boyhood had the clip with a uh, hero by Family of the Year playing in the background with a little bit of highlights of uh, Ethan Hawke and his son, and that was like the big thing. This movie doesn't really have these big scenes to show. It's just her driving. And I think that's what makes it incredible because it stands out anyway, despite the lack of these big emotional scenes, specifically the fact that the two actresses left that we have to talk about, uh, Casey Mulligan and Vanessa Kirby, both have those scenes. Brent McDormand doesn't. doesn't, excuse me. But yeah, I think this is great. I really do. I think, you know, again, this is a very stacked group of actors and actresses right now. I mean, we're dealing with, we dealt with, you know, maybe one performance particularly that we didn't think should win it, but the other four, I think, are all in contention and could yeah. easily do it. I mean, again, we saw Andrew Day win Golden Globe. She could win it anyway. If, the, if honestly, if the movie was better, she might have. But what a stacked group this year. And now, Davis, are you ready to move on to the next one? So the next one, I think I said Pieces of a Woman first, yeah? Yeah. Right, so Pieces of a Woman starring Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf. That's right, from Transformers, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, this movie is a heartbreaking ho- about a heartbreaking home birth that leaves a woman grappling with the profound emotional fallout, isolated from her partner and family by a chasm of grief. That's just that's from Google. I wouldn't ah, use those man. words. Ah man, I was looking forward to saying, did you use chasm, Davis? Also, I do like the word chasm, but Good I don't word. use it that often. Good word in that context too. I like that. But Davis, why don't you tell us a bit about this movie? So this movie, this is the one. Uh, I, I it's not a, this is not for best picture. That's true. It's this not. is the one that. Moved me the most, I'll say. Moved you the most, you said? Moved me the most, yes. Interesting. So, And why is that? Well, overall, it, it really just does really show her postpartum depression uh, really well. Like, Vanessa Kirby gives a great performance, really conveying what she's feeling. But I will say, so there's like one type, there's like a few types of scenes that will like really make me cry if I'm watching a movie, and one of them is, like, a birth scene that goes wrong. And the only two movies I've ever really seen those in are Roma and this. True. And I was I was in pieces at watching this. I was, like, literally, I deposit. Wow. It, very hard to watch for me. I'm not sure why, but just that type of scene. And I think just based off that scene alone, she has, a, she has like, a viable reason to win an Oscar. I agree. I, I, I agree. I think, also, I think... Um, I'm surprised this movie's not nominated for anything else because the particular one shot, did you notice that? Um, the enti- Most of the birth scene is one shot. Mm-hmm. It follows them around. It feels very natural. When she's got out of the room, you don't cut. You fault the camera follows a particular person. I thought that was very natural. I think, I think that opening scene is the highlight of the movie. I think partially because the rest of the movie is just so depressing. You know, the, gra- the, the mother paying Shia LaBeouf's character to just leave. Sure, he probably should leave, but... Well, look, here's the thing. Yeah, I'll let you say the rest of your you thing. Go ahead, in a you go ahead. But like, but like, uh, I'm not bothered by depressing movies, so that didn't never really I'm, come to my mind I'm, at all. I'm not either. It's just it's it, it's it makes it less enjoyable at times. To where when you if if you are uh, affected by it, you remember it less fondly. Is how I would say. You know, because when I think, oh man, the most you know, the father might be a top five movie for me of all time. Really, when I'm thinking, oh man, my favorite movies, it won't be up there because it's not enjoyable in that sense. You know, it's it's sad. It's depressing. It's not... Like, it doesn't have the same... Like, I have much more fun watching Pirates of the Caribbean than that, right? It's I that, have it's two that, separate lists for that type of stuff. I do, too. It's just, you know, it's when I'm trying to think of what comes to mind, you know, Prince McDormand's Nomadland was less depressing, so that movie maybe comes to mind a bit more, in my opinion. But that's, you know... 
I still think this movie's amazing. I, I'm just like I saying, liked this more than Nomadland. Mm. I don't think I'm not saying it's a better movie per se. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, I don't know. That's just, fair. Vanessa Kirby's performance was just that good saying, to me. Like the, here's the thing. I think Shia LaBeouf might have been like he was good, but he just felt like he was playing Shia LaBeouf. He has. Like, I feel like, or he, it felt like he was playing his dad. Like he, he was redoing he has, his, his honey boy. He has leaned into those type of characters lately, but he—that's because he's very good at those. I type mean, like, of yeah, the quick talking douchebag. Yeah, he's good at it. Yeah, that's 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 what he was in this movie, and that's how like that's the snarky jerk. He, that's how he was in Honey Boy, playing his dad or like his quote unquote his dad. That's how that's I still think character. his best performance is from Fury. Personally, oh, he was great but, in Fury. Yeah, but that's uh, that's a whole other debate. But I think I think you know that's entirely fair because I think when you, again when you're dealing with the Oscars, you're dealing with the best actress. These are not bad movies, except for Billy Holiday, as we mentioned earlier. These top three movies that we have on our list: Nomadland, Piece of Woman, and Promising Young Woman are not bad in any context, and I think that's um, that's an important thing to remember. But yeah, I think you know, I I get it, and I think she has amazing performance in this movie. I think um, the particular scene when she goes back to the office uh, for the first time and she re- sees that her desk has been taken. That scene in particular, like just the as she's walking in silence and the that guy, her face. the guy that was in her desk is Jimmy Fails, and he is the guy that last black man in San Francisco. He's a star role and is really? loosely based off him. Really interesting. I didn't know it's that. His second movie, really ever. Wow. Love Jimmy Fails. Hopefully, he gets some more movies. As far yeah, as he, like, he's pretty good. I was say he seemed pretty good. I mean, I, I haven't seen Black Black, Last Black, Black Man, Man in San Francisco. So but good, love it. Yeah, that's most one, one of the most beautifully shot movies ever. I'll get very one, vibrant, great, great shots. Maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast someday. Who oh, knows? I hope. Oh yeah, a twenty four episode. Oh boy, more like ten a twenty four episodes. Our top ten a twenty four movies. I don't think I've seen ten. We'll have to get. Uh, we'll just start I'll, watching. I'll, them, I'll Alex. work on this summer. I can I'll name Tim. I can name Tim right now. Okay, hold on. Let's let's stay on stay on target. Davis. Um, but yeah, I think I think she's great. I think uh, you know, I think this is Vanessa Curry's breakout role and could lead to future projects for her because she's actually traditionally a theater actor and her biggest role was in The Crown actually uh, initially. And I think this is she really just steps up in. I think it really is a great great performance by her. I think you know you feel the emotion that she's going through. I think in particular my favorite detail is the disarray of their house, like the the plants dying and the just. The clear lack of um, what's the word? What's the word? What's the word? What's the word? Lack of like activity, and I think the way she and Shia LaBeouf are able to play the distance over the course of the month because the movie the movie progresses like one month at a time every like fifteen or twenty minutes, and you get different characters every fifteen twenty minutes, and I think that really helps the movie helps the passage of time and helps you you know buy into the emotions they're feeling. I think she sells it perfectly. But yeah, uh, any other thoughts, Davis? Watch this movie if you can. It's pretty depressing, but I'd say on Netflix it is on Netflix. I'd say it's worth it. the 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 courtroom seems pretty well. The courtroom seems very good in that as well. The courtroom scene was great. I was one thing. One one issue with it is like you know, I I was watching the movie and I don't have any knowledge of midwives because this is not up for best picture. Can we talk about it maybe a bit yeah, in the context ahead. of the whole movie? I don't have any. I don't have much knowledge about how midwives function. I know that they are used when people want to have at home births. I know that's like a thing. Uh, and People were well within their right to do that. Um, but I was kind of confused when they were like, oh, yeah, she's definitely going away to jail. Because I was like, I watched the scene. Like, are, are we supposed to know that she didn't do anything wrong? Well, she I didn't mean, seem but the to do thing is, wrong. well, like, well, uh, that Martha, the character that uh, Vanessa, Kirby, Vanessa plays. Kirby plays, she doesn't want her to go to jail. She doesn't blame her. But the the mother, more specifically, I guess uh, uh, Sean, Child of Love's character as well, really wants the justice for wants to blame somebody for the baby dying. 
But like, uh, I, I guess we know that she didn't really do it. But like the way they frame it in the court courtroom scene, it kind of blames it on her. Like, why didn't you take him to the hospital if you know you didn't hear the heartbeat? So you can blame it on her, but then. Yeah, I don't know. It just made, I think upon reexamination, I realized okay, maybe there were some flaws here, but just I guess in the chaos of the scene, I don't I don't think you're supposed to feel like she did because well, it wasn't uh, it wasn't her. I mean, uh, Vanessa Kirby's character Martha didn't think it was either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I, was, I, I was just the whole jarred. movie. I was like, I was like, I don't, I don't really think you can blame it on yeah. her because even if you went to the hospital, what's the guarantee that they? Yeah, could I was about, I was about to say well. it, it was just, it was just a bit jarring for a second. Um. So that that kind of. Took me back, and I was like, huh, okay. But honestly, I, re- I really liked the movie. I'm glad that it ended on the courtroom scene. I was afraid they weren't going to, like, solve the case, like, finish the case after bringing it up throughout the movie. I was like, please, let's just get some resolution there. I was glad they did. Good movie. Depressing movie, though. Very yeah. sad movie. It's going to have an emotional impact on you. It will. That's just the kind of movie it is. But anyway, Dave, you want to go on to the last one? Yeah. Go ahead. Take it away. Promising Young Woman. So our final movie is Promising Young Woman, starring uh, Carrie Mulligan, as the lead character ah, for that's Sandra. Right. I think I said Casey earlier. My mistake. And also, Bo Burnham is in it as the guy Ryan. He I was so excited when Bo Burnham was in the movie. He was and witty. He had, he had some charm to he him. And funny. then it turned and out. Then, and then Bo Burnham not good. I, I walked out of the room and I was like, Bo Burnham bad, guys. That's the, that's the point of the movie. The, well, so this movie, I really liked it personally. So it's basically about this girl, Cassandra, who's basically just seeking revenge on the guys that uh, took advantage of her drunk friend in college. So basically raped her, I guess you could say. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that. That's why I was hesitant to say it. Uh, yeah, no, we, we've talked about it before. Okay. Well, well, yeah, they just raped her friend in college, and she's basically trying to get revenge on her, on the people that did it to her. And and more specifically, revenge on just men of that variety. Yeah, for and, yeah and she also goes out to bar and acts say, well, drunk to catch people which trying to take advantage the of her. The beginning shot, you're thinking, oh, that wait, may, maybe Adam Brody's nice, and then he's not. Which well, he never is nice in his movies. Adam Brody's always a bad guy. Seems like that was crazy though, because she kept saying, "What are you doing?" And then she kept like she sat up. That blew my mind. That like, was crazy. I was like, crap. "Oh my gosh!" Which that honestly might be my favorite part of. Keep going. You can keep talking. No, no. What you say? I was gonna say my favorite part of this performance and of uh, Carrie Mulligan's performance is the fact that she has to switch so frequently because yeah. Uh, one show I used to watch, there was this character who um, she was. This is gonna this is gonna sound like Robert Downey Jr. and Shabak Thunder, but the actress was playing a character acting as her character. So it's kinda confusing, but she was having to play a character trying to pretend to be somebody else, and it shows like, you know, this range of being able to like pretend to be someone else but not do it well. And I think in the case of Carrie Mulligan, you know, you've got her having to pretend to be this one person and immediately just switch it off and go right back to Cassandra, the girl going after all these dudes, and I think the fact that she just so fluidly and so easily switches right into it was brilliant. And I think that was my favorite part of this performance is that she was able to switch on and off. And I think that was just what was really, really cool about the performance because you don't really see that a lot. You don't see a lot of characters being, you know, two sides of the coin, these kind of, you know, two different personality type characters, but she did that, and I think she did it perfectly. But that's just my my biggest takeaway from that performance. You talk about the one we so but, this but movie more about the movie Excuse was me. the most enjoyable of them to me. Like it had it had fun fun quote unquote. Like when she was with Bo Burnham early on in the movie, they're kind of like bantering back and forth. That was entertaining to watch. There's some good jokes in there. Mr. Krabs is her dad. You know, yeah, it's a good the guy that plays Mr. Krabs is her dad. Clancy Brown. And Pretty but then good. it also then it also is able to have this more serious moments where she's getting revenge. Like when she goes and talks to the dean, I thought it was a great scene. 
and she's very manipulative and uh, manipulative, and she knows what she's doing. Very, very cunning. Indeed, that's the word. Very cunning. But she like she plans everything out. But I would say this movie has its fun moments, but also has, like I said, the more serious moments. I'm just repeating myself. But the serious moments that take a stance and like show the issues with how uh, rape culture is seen, how Indeed. the guys get the benefit of, benefit of the doubt. Especially in the Dean scene, I'd say. I agree. And I think, you know, these movies are always very um, very interesting because, you know, these movies, you know, you're, you're, when you're watching movies, most movies are not nonfiction films. And this is technically not a nonfiction film. And I think for people who don't experience this, it feels like it's not really like that. You know, like, I, like we're both at college, and our college experience is nothing like what these kids are describing. But the fact of the matter is people go through stuff like this all the time. Universities go through this, fraternities go through this, groups go through this throughout the country. Like it's, and I think it's a bit odd because you know you almost have to like pinch yourself and realize, oh wait, this is something that actually happens, and it's jarring. But this movie doesn't seem it doesn't really dramatize much. Well, I don't, than, I don't the like the revenge seeking part. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm I saying, think I, I think I've heard of people like actually doing that. that, that, that but it, I, it, that's not as common. That, but that, like the, the, the rape culture yeah, on campus. Exactly. That's is, what I was, I was yeah, talking yeah. about strictly just, like just their a, past experience because. Yeah. That's all that, like... That happens a lot. Exactly, and you're trying to understand Carrie Mulligan's character, Cassandra, and you're like, like, you know, it's it's just kind of odd because, like, it almost seems, like, unbelievable this actually happens, but it does, and I well, think... something like movie a quarter, a quarter of every girl on something something insane yeah, number, no, I, a, yeah. a disgusting number. Yeah. So maybe we need a Carrie Mulligan out there to scare the guys that are going to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even... No, I mean, look, I, man. I, I, no, I, I, she, scared, she scared McLovin out of his wits in that. Well... <laughs> When it, when, when it was my, I was like, no, McLovin. She scared the, the fedora guy too. Like he was definitely. Oh not yeah, that he started. He started crying as he ran away. But yeah, um, I I think I give it props for that because I think you know. I think it's, it. But then it it flips you on its head, and maybe we hold. Now we can talk about it right now. Yeah, go ahead. Um, because so. The the big climax of the movie, and I knew it was going to happen because Brian and, and Cassandra got together too early. I, they, saw, they I were knew that happy. too. I was like, there's still 50 minutes I was about left. I say, like, this is not too be. early. So, um, also, um, Allison Breeze in it. That's, that was all. I was, I was happy. Also, um, oh, oh, oh. crap. Who is it? I cannot. Who do they play? Oh, talking about God. the guy from New Girl? Yeah, it, Play Schmidt, yeah. That's right. No, his, but there was somebody else. There was somebody else who showed up very briefly. Let me let me go see if I can find it uh, in the cast list. I'm trying to remember because I was like, wow, he's in it too. Um, nope, I can't find it. My apologies, everybody. I, oh, wait, no, Molly Shannon was in it. Oh, yeah, she's the mom. Yeah, Molly Shannon. That, like great cast, by the way. But yeah, Laverne climax, Cox in it too. That's true. That that's right. I remember that. Um, but the the climax of the movie, or the, well, at least what begins the climax of the movie is, Al. So Cassandra learns that Al, the uh, character who was the main assaulter of her friend Nina, was um getting getting married. So she decides to finally go after the people that caused all this problem, and she meets with Allison Bree and. Gets her incredibly drunk and also noticeably um, didn't drink any of the wine. I don't know if you picked up on that. I that did. Was, that was, also, did you pick up on the detail? Um, or in one of the uh, in one of the scenes with um, her and a guy, and the guy's like, "Oh, let me get you this drink," and he filled her glass significantly higher than the other. I think it was uh, with Adam Brody. He gets her some orange drink, and like her oh, glass yeah, yeah. is like full to the brim, and he like has barely. I was like, "Ah, dang, good detail." Of course, I mean, I think that was obviously the point, but. Still, I like that detail. But anyway, so 
she gets Alison Brie uh, drunk and then pays a guy to make her think that she cheated on her husband at the time. And she freaks out and is panicking. And Cassandra just decides to torment her by not calling her back and giving her answers on it. But eventually she does. And then Alison Brie, uh, Alison Brie's character, gives Cassandra the phone that was recording uh, the event that happened to Nina at the party. And Cassandra decides to watch it. And she's haunted by the, by the video. And then she hears Ryan's voice. And I was like, no. Which, by the way, I think that's Carrie Mulligan's best scene is like the, the yes. sheer like look of terror on her face. And the sound, she like shudders. Like the uh, subtitle said shudders. That's what it said, shudders. Like the aud- auditory picked up that because of how she sold it. And I think it was really all, just a great scene from her. And then that's when it all falls apart. Because then she goes and threatens Ryan, who I was hoping he would handle it with grace, but no. Ryan There's is no not way good. he can handle that with grace. I, There's I, no way you can. But like, that's that's like the you know that's like the the fictional movies will always be like oh well it turns out good, he, yeah good good thing that they didn't cop oh, out no, with that no, I, I I'm happy about I know, I know. The context I, you know in movie me rooting for uh, Cassandra I was like well Ryan seems nice I uh, and then he just was like he starts threatening her and like uh, saying out well you know I'll be a failure just like you you piece of garbage and got it's like, pushed oh. into the corner and he yeah. lashed lashed but, out I was gonna say that was, that was the point which that was tough and then it, she, this this movie had. A lot of movies, like you were saying, they have irredeemable characters become redeemed. This movie did not have that. I was about to say, everybody's a bad stays bad. Like, and you could even make the case that Carrie Mulligan is irredeemable in some way. In some ways, I think... There she were... almost became redeemed and then she reverted back. But I'm not going to say that she is because you could understand her, like where she was coming from at That's least. True. That's true. That, that, that is perhaps true, I think. And I think, I think it sells in a, bit, a part later because... So it, it then gets to where she figures out where Al's uh, bachelor party is. And... By the way, Alfred Molina's in this movie. He's a lawyer that dealt with the case with Nina Oh, he and yeah, his scene was great. We started. He broke down crime. That was he's so good. One of the most underrated actors in Hollywood, agree. bar none. You know, I he think. was the he was the the guy with Indiana Jones and Raiders yeah, of the Lost Ark. Right. Yeah, he got impaled. That was tough. That was his first role. Good role too, to be honest. Very memorable. Yeah, for like say five that. minutes. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. But um, so this all eventually re- comes to a head with her figuring out the location of Al's bachelor party. Uh. Masking as a stripper at Al's bachelor party and then taking Al up to the room to then handcuff him to the bed and then it plans to carve Nina's name onto his chest in order for retribution. And Al actually gets loose and then suffocates her with a pillow, which is just the way that like it gets silent for a second just to hear nothing but the whimpering and the gasping is crazy. And she's flailing and eventually Al kills her and then... Al and his friend, played by the guy who played Schmidt in New Girl. Max Greenfield Ma- or something like that. Yeah, I think so. That's it. Uh, they they burn her body so that nobody will ever find her. And they eventually... But she had a contingency she plan. She did. She had a contingency plan. She, ma- she mailed the phone with the video to Alfred Molina's character and then had pre-recorded text to send to Ryan's phone during the wedding, which was cool. And the cop show... That seems a bit iffy because how would the cops I think put together a case Alfred Molina... Because she... She sent the letter to Alfred Molina Wells, like, I went to this bachelor party, mm. and if I don't show up in the missing persons, send the police there. And then he probably well, no, but the like, police. But, like, but, like, she, yeah, okay, that's, that's fair. That's fair. But, so like, normally you have to, like, build a case before actually arresting a guy. But, I, honestly, it was a great poetic ending, so I loved it. It's a, it's a little little on the. It worked. It was entertaining. Yeah, I, I was I like, yo. I was like, this is crazy. It was crazy. It's like Pretty good movie overall. I really liked um, it. Yeah. I heard on further rewatches, it's not as good. 
Like, it's still good, but, like, once you watch it over again, it loses a little bit of its charm. That makes sense. Because a lot of it is, you know, the mystery of what happened to Nina. Like, they, a lot of, you know, they're, they're, you know, you're seeing the effects of what happened, but you're not, like, seeing it directly. But that's fair. But, yeah, I think this is a great performance overall. And I think what I was saying is, you know, you argue Nina, or not Nina, uh, Cassandra's a bit irredeemable, but then the guys that she's going after, like, they burn her body and want to hide it. And, you know, like, and not to mention the fact that, you know, they were all going to, like, joke around about the fact that Al cheated on his wife the, not, the day before they got married and stuff like that. Like, these guys aren't very... Um, Good? Yeah, no, that's the... Yeah, sorry. I was just thinking a bit through the plot of the movie. But, yeah, that's the idea is that they're they're bad dudes. And maybe going after them and maybe did get herself killed, but these guys are not good people that are redeemable that she made a mistake. Like, they're bad characters through and through the entire movie. But anyway, who do you think wins the Oscar, Davis? It is between Vanessa Kirby and Carrie Mulligan for me, but I think they're going to give it to Frances McDormand. I think it's between Frances McDormand and Vanessa Kirby for me as well. Actually, no. Yeah, and I'm going to say Frances McDormand wins it as well. I think she will win. I think she probably should, in my opinion, based on just the immersion in the Nomadland culture, the immersion as being a nomad, just it. It's unlike anything I've ever seen, really. And it's a testament to her acting ability because you believe she's this character. You don't believe she's playing a caricature of a character. She is this character. She is that character through and through. And I think that's why I got to give it to her on that one. But I'll just say this. With re- with respect to the film U.S. vs. Billie Holiday, the other four movies we talked about are very, very good movies. And I recommend you watch them all because these are very good performances, performances worth seeing this year. From Viola Davis and Ma Rainey to Carrie Mulligan in Pieces of Woman. Promising oh, young Promising Young Woman, excuse me, Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman, and Frances McDormand in Nomadland. All very, very, very good performances. Davis, any last thoughts before we close out the show? Check out these movies and tune in for oh, yeah, next our, week's Best Picture. Our final episode, which, by the way, next week is also going to be uh, the 50th anniversary of WGL 91.1 FM, 50 years on the air. They'll be having a 24-hour celebration beginning on Thursday at 6 and ending on Friday at 6 with a live performance on Cater Lawn. So very, very exciting times. And, uh, yeah, we're just celebrating that as well. And we're also going to have the Oscars episode previewing the seven Best Picture nominations, which include... Uh, You're just in the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, uh, Bla- Sound uh, of Metal, yeah. The Father, Trial of Chicago 7, and then... Nomadland. That's right. Yeah, all seven of those. And those are... Off the top of my head, too. There you go, Davis. We've talked about five of them already we're going to talk about trial of chicago 7 and judas and the black messiah next week in connection with the other five as well and then we're going to make our picks and hopefully our predictions are right we'll see but until then we will see you next time be sure to follow us at through underscore the underscore lens underscore weagle on instagram to uh, get any updates on the show and click the link in our bio to get links to episodes you can listen to that is through underscore the underscore lens underscore weagle on instagram you can comment any movies you'd like us to cover in upcoming episodes this summer or even next semester and until next week we will see you next time i'm alex Schutzing alongside davis carroll and we thank you for joining us 